we start in a place of thankfulness. This is actually the message this morning. The Lord has been putting this on, he put this on my heart earlier this week and, uh, and then really began to download things throughout the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, especially of this week. So I, again, I, I don't, I'm not just grabbing stuff and, and old stuff and just putting it together and delivering a message. To me, that's, that's a waste of time uh, for you and for me. Uh, what I want is just that fresh revelation of what the Lord has for us in this time right now. And so I believe this message is for right now. And, uh, and I never want to just preach something to preach something. I, I think if, that, if it ever comes to that, I think we'll just worship. Uh, we'll <laughs> skip the message. Uh, but I believe this message I, I so strongly is for today right now. And, and the, the title is Thankfulness activating the family. And we've been in this season of going through, of talking about going from community to family. We've talked about this place of, of stepping into maturity, bring, coming into unity, coming into family. And I believe that this is a key part of activating us as a family. We've, in the last few weeks, it was on uh, uh, righteousness, understanding our positional righteousness, then understanding our, actually, the, the, the righteous living, and then Last week was actually the household of God, understanding the household of God. But this is truly how we activate the family, is through thankfulness. And I know you go, what? Bear with me. Stay with me, because here we, we're going we're gonna to dive into this thing. And you'll see. Actually, what I want you to do before we do this, will you just if, grab a pen and just write down some things that you're thankful for? Uh, hopefully, you guys can think of, I'll, I'll, one is family. You can write down family. <laughs> No, but just, just write down some things that you're, you're thankful for. Uh, two or three things. And I just want to show you something here. Not a, not a trick question or anything. It's just... As you're writing those down, I'll, I'll kind of dive into a few scriptures here. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. And I, I want to just begin to set the foundation here of, of thankfulness. Uh, starting in verse 17, it says, never stop praying. And then verse 18, it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We kind of skip over this. Because uh, it's, it's hard to actually fathom. It's hard to, to, to put our hands around to go, oh, like that we would actually be thankful in every circumstance, in all circumstances. It, it's in our minds, our, we kind of go tilt, right? It doesn't quite compute. We can't be thankful in every circumstance because there's some bad circumstances that we deal with. And why would we want to be thankful in those circumstances, right? You guys with me like that this is my what I process when I kind of read some of these scriptures it's like well that doesn't make sense we'll just skip over that one we'll go to the next verse uh, but bear with me there so so understanding that be thankful in all circumstances Colossians 4 2 says this devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart so we begin to see this kind of this correlation between praying and thankfulness, devote yourselves to prayer, have an alert mind and a thankful heart. And then in Colossians 3, 15, starting in 15, it says, always be thankful. So again, similar to 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, always be thankful. And then this is the how part. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill our lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that he gives and then sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. What were we doing in here this morning? It's that place of singing to the Lord. It's a place of praise to the Father, saying thank you for who you are. It says in whatever you do or say, do it as representatives of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Christ to God the Father. So, prayer and praise actually positions us, brings us into a position 
of thankfulness. And this is what I, I want to, us to begin to understand, is there, is there is situational thankfulness and there is positional thankfulness. And when we look at Scripture, what we begin to realize is that thankfulness actually comes out of a position of the heart. It's not based on our circumstances. Yet, most of the time in this world, and when we kind of live according to the world's wisdom, our thankfulness is dependent upon our circumstances, right? So the things that you wrote down, more than likely, and I would be writing the same thing, these are things that, that we have that we're thankful for, right? You guys, what, what are you thankful for? Family, good. Health. What else? Friends, freedom, retirement. <laughs> Everyone loves that one. So let me ask you, of all these things you write, wrote down, what if they were all taken away? Could you be thankful? Salvation. Were you in the last service? No. <laughs> They are to breathe. If that was taken away, our, yeah, that, that's a whole other story. Um, so this is what I want us to get. I want us to begin to understand this, and I'm going to, this is what we're going to dive into a little bit, that we're going to walk out of here with a different understanding of thankfulness. But what thankfulness actually does is it begins to, re it releases the glory of God. It releases the kingdom of, of God on this earth. And as we begin to align with him, and we align with him through a position, a heart position of thankfulness that's independent of every circumstance that we are in. And it's, and it's hard, it, it, it's a mind shift. So here we go, we're going to dive into it. So the definition of thankfulness, let's, let's look at that real quick, it's important. The Hebrew word is yada, and it's to throw or to cast, but what it, what it actually means, if you dig into it, is it's to worship with extended hand and to tell or confess God's greatness. That's thankfulness. As you look at the Old Testament, that's the position of thankfulness is it is to worship with extended hand to tell and confess God's greatness. You hear the, the, the words throughout Scripture that say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Have you heard that? It was something that David first said when, when uh, he brings the, the ark into Jerusalem. And, he, and there's a song, a psalm that he writes that's in, uh, it's in First uh, Chronicles 16. I don't know. But it's a, in there he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. What we begin to understand is this, this place of thanks comes out of who the Lord is and his promises for us. It's not so much what he has done or what he is doing, but it's who he is and his, promise, his promises or his covenant for us. And so when we go into the New Testament and you look at the word thankfulness, it's the, it's the word euharista. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think the K is kind of silent there. And I probably just butchered that for all you Greek scholars. So um, this is not my forte. But, but the word is euharista, and, and, uh, and the root word of this is charis, which is grace. Um, it's where the, we get the, the Eucharist, uh, which is the Lord's Supper. It's, the, it's communion. And where, where Jesus, he gives thanks. He breaks bread. He gives thanks takes the cup, he gives thanks, he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is that, that's the Eucharist, it's, it's charis, which is grace. It's because of his grace that we're actually coming to a place of thankfulness to the Lord. And so, if you look at the definition, the literal meaning is a giving of thanks for God's grace. That's a place of thankfulness. The, in the Strong's definition, I love this, it says, it's a grateful language. We actually have a language of gratefulness. And then it says it's an act of worship to God. So our place of, of thanksgiving or our place of thankfulness is actually a grateful heart with worship unto the Lord. Okay? 
To tie this down, I guess, a little more, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so this gets rid of all circumstances, right? If we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, everything else is shaken. It says, let us be thankful for this. And so worship God acceptably with reverence, which is a holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So what we begin to see here is that it's the unshakable things that bring us into a place of thankfulness as we worship the Lord. Our thankfulness should come out of things that cannot be shaken. It's not to say that, that all the things that, that, you know, family and our jobs and all these other things, that's great, and, and we should be thankful for all those things. But our thankfulness actually needs to go beyond that. Uh, it's, it's kind of like we throw around the word thank you and, oh, I'm so thankful. Uh, you know, if, if you receive a, a gift at Christmas time, it might be like the most stupid thing you've ever received, right, from somebody, and you're like, and you're thinking in your mind, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, this isn't something I want. This is going to be the next white elephant gift. Like, this, <laughs> but what do you say? Oh, thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. Now, is your heart thankful in this? No. <laughs> right? So we throw around this word, oh, thank you. I thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. But there is a difference in understanding and having a position of thankfulness that is independent of every gift that we're given, except for when it comes to grace. It's the things that can be unshakable. So do you does it begin to understand this? Because this is important as we move forward. We're kind of moving into now phase two here. So, um, but that's the foundation that we have to, we need to understand that. This is not situational gratitude, it's positional gratitude. And when I say thankfulness, gratitude, it's really the same thing. Gratitude is actually a better word for it because it comes out of the root word grace, uh, which is charis. Uh, so now look at this. So out of that, I want to just show you a few scriptures here where you see that, that there's thankfulness that actually came before the miracles were done, before the Lord began to do things. And that this is actually the position that we need to take. In Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. If we don't have that position of thanksgiving to the Lord, we actually do not enter his gates. We have to get through the gates to then enter into the courts with praise. So there is, this, there is this position of thanksgiving that we have to have, but there's actually a prelude to that. And it's, it's setting our hearts and our minds on things above because in order to, to step into a place where your heart is set in a place of thanksgiving, you have to set your mind on things above. And let me say it this way. Uh, I, I'm a pilot and probably not a very good one. Um, I have about 120 hours. But when I first learned to fly, what I would do is... I would, and this is what most pilots do, is you begin to, you, you look as, well, let me say this. It's easy to take off. It's easy to fly around. The hard part is landing. So as you come in for a landing, what you tend to do is you tend to focus on the runway. And what happens when you focus on the runway is, uh, and I've done this a few times, and I know that the guys in the tower are going, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> but you'll, you, you hit a lot harder because you're, you're focused so much on the runway that that's what you hit. It's kind of like if you're driving down the road, you see a pothole, guess what you're going to do? Like, no, don't hit it. <laughs> right? Because you're almost like you're drawn to it, and you, you focus on it, and then you hit it. Uh, but in the same way as you're, as you're coming in for a landing, if you focus down on the runway, you, you hit the runway very hard most of the time, and you, it's called ballooning. What you do is you hit and you bounce, and you begin to go up, and then you begin to go down, and it's actually a little dangerous. Um, and, and I've done this down the runway where you're, you're doing this down the runway. I know nobody will ever fly with me now. <laughs> Come on, let's go flying. <laughs> but the idea is what you're supposed to do is you set your, your eyes on the horizon. You set it out front, and when you set your eyes on the horizon as you come in for a landing, it's a smooth landing because you're not, you're not trying to pull up at the last second. You're setting your eyes out here, and, it's, and you come in with a smooth landing. 
But it takes time to learn that. I think it's the same thing for us. When we set our mind or our eyes or our focus on the circumstances down here, it's a bumpy ride. But when we actually get our eyes up here, it's the Hebrews 12, 2 or 3 that says, it says, set your, your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. In, uh, in Colossians 3, 2, it's another scripture that says, I'll make sure I quote this correctly. Um, it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So it's in this that as we set our mind up here, and we do this through prayer and through worship. When, when Christy and I, we'll be sometimes at home and, and start to just kind of complain about things or, oh man, this is going on. And, and we try to catch ourselves as, as quickly as possible and say, let's just, let's just take this to the Lord. Let's begin to pray. And as you pray, what it does is it resets your eyes. It resets your focus. So you're no longer looking down. Now you're looking up. And your prayers, what they do is you begin to align with the Father's heart. And it resets your heart. It just, and then in that, now you can come into a place of thankfulness. Okay. Make sense? So, now jumping back, I just want to show you, there's, there's a few places. Um, so in, in Psalm 100, 4 and 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And then you've heard this before. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The message version for that first part, it actually says, Enter with the password, thank you. We enter into his gates with that password of thank you. But it's from our heart. It's not, a, it's not just a, oh, thank you, Lord. It actually comes from a position of the heart, which is, again, setting your eyes on things above. So what's cool is, watch this. This is 2 Chronicles 5. So this is Solomon. This is David's son who understood what David kind of set up, and he was, he was the one that coined that phrase, <laughs> give thanks, and it wasn't a phrase, it was a way of life, uh, give thanks to the Lord for his good and his love endures forever. So Solomon builds the temple because David wasn't allowed to, and uh, he builds a temple and he's bringing the ark into the temple. And this is what happens, this is so cool. It says, with one voice, and this is kind of paraphrased here, they gave thanks and praise to the Lord. And this is what they sang. He is good, and his love endures forever. And it says this, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. And it was at this point that the priests couldn't perform their duties. They couldn't even perform the services. So what happened? It was out of that place of thanks to the Lord that God's glory is actually released. When we come into a place of thankfulness to the Lord, it opens the door of opportunity for God's glory to come down to earth. We actually pull heaven down to earth as we come into a place of thanksgiving with the Father. That's pretty cool. So now look at this. 2 Chronicles 20, you see it again. There's King Jehoshaphat, and he is the king of Judah. And all of a sudden, there's a vast army that comes against him. It says a vast army, which means you're going to lose in the mind's eyes, right? There's like, you've got an army that's bigger than you can count. And this is what they did. It says, they put the, they put the singers, they put the worshipers out ahead of the army. <laughs> I was saying in the last service, I was like, that's the week I would not want to be on the worship team. <laughs> like, who puts the worshipers out in front of the army? Like, no thanks. <laughs> Like, I'm busy this week. I'll tell you what, I'll come in next week and, and serve with you guys. But uh, no one wants to be on the worship team when you're going out in front of a vast army. But they understood something that David had established in setting their hearts on the Lord in a place of thanksgiving, trusting in the Lord, staying steadfast in the Lord. It says, my heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. There's a place of steadfastness that they stayed in. And in that Watch what the Lord does here. It says, um, so it says, the worshipers went out ahead of the army. And again, it says, they, they give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So here it is again. 
understanding it is, it's that position of, of worshiping the Lord, not for what he's going to do. They didn't say, Lord, take care of the army. All they said was they were worshiping the Lord for who he was and that his love endures forever. Not that for who he is and that he's going to take care of the army for him, right? And, and this is important to understand because a lot of times we're looking for God kind of like the genie to answer our to answer our prayer in a certain way that we need it answered because here's a circumstance and God, you need to address this problem. And God says, no, don't look for the answer. Look for the answer man. Look to him. Look to the Lord. Let your, your eyes be on him and your heart be on him. Come into a place of thankfulness to him and then watch what he does his way. So, yeah. So it says, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. It came out of a place of thanksgiving, of saying, thank you, Lord, setting their hearts on the Lord, and then watch what the Lord does. It opened the door of opportunity for God to do what he wanted to do. We see it also just in the New Testament uh, with Jesus. He shows this again when, when uh, uh, Heidi Baker talked a little bit about it, about multiplying with the 4,000 uh, and the 5,000. There was 5,000 men, which means there was about 15,000 people, and they did not have enough food uh, to feed these, these people. And what happens? What does Jesus do? He takes the bread, he breaks it, and he gives thanks to the Father. It says he looks up to heaven and he gives thanks. So it's eyes on the Father, giving thanks, and the miracle comes. He does it with the 5,000. He does it with the 4,000. He goes to, to see Lazarus, who's dead, and he's with Mary and Martha, and what does he do? Says he, he looks up to heaven, and he thanks the Lord. And then the miracle happens, and Lazarus is resurrected from the dead. There's something amazing about actually before it happens, before the miracles happen, that we actually set our hearts on the Lord and we thank him for who he is in the midst of whatever situation we're facing. This is that pray always. Stay in that place of prayer. Keep your heart in the right place and be thankful in all circumstances. So here's a, here's a great scenario here. Um, if you've ever read the book of Job, I always bypass that one because I'm like, oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> Who wants to hear about this guy again? But, but, but I, want you to, I, I want you to just see this part in Job. It's Job 1, and, uh, and you see someone, this man understood that heart of thankfulness. He understood in the same way that Paul talks about it, Job understood it. And this is what happens. It says, and I'm just going to paraphrase all this to uh, just because of time here, but all the oxen and the donkeys were taken and, and all the servants that were taking care of them were killed. Job is made aware of this. Then moments after that, the next guy comes and tells him, oh, and by the way, all your sheep and the servants of your sheep, they just got burned up by fire. And then as that guy's finishing telling him that part of the story, this, this is happening in one day. Uh, literally, the next guy comes and he says, hey, just want to let you know, all your camels have just been taken and all your servants that had them were just killed by the sword. And then, oh, by the way, uh, all your family, your sons and your daughters who were just uh, dining and, and having a, uh, a feasting and drinking together um, in the home, all four corners of the home just buckled at the same time. The building collapsed and every one of them is dead. This all happens in one day. And what would our response be in that? Are you kidding, Lord? <laughs> right? This is Job's response. He says this. It says this. When Job hears all this, he falls to the ground in worship to the Lord. And he says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. 
Praise the name of the Lord. This is so important that we get this because I think we think, well, that was a one time thing. That happened to Job. It was just an example. <laughs> there are circumstances that are going to come our way, there are things that the Lord is doing that may not be in our best interest. And, and I think we have to get over this mindset that, that the Lord is looking for us to be comforted all the time. It's actually not the case. It, I kind of went off last service. I'm going to just do it again for a minute because I think this is so important. We were actually made for a battle. We were made to destroy the darkness. We were not made for comfort. From the beginning of time when, when God, he creates the heavens and the earth, right? He puts man in the garden. Guess who was already there? Satan was already there. He, didn't, he wasn't created at that time. He was already there. It says that, that darkness covered the earth. Satan was already on the earth. And when God said, let there be light, what he was doing is he was releasing his light. He was releasing a new kingdom into the earth. And then when he created man, he said, take dominion, subdue it. It's yours. I'm giving it to you, and I'm breathing life into you. I'm breathing my spirit into you that you can now take the earth. What that means is you're the guys who are going to battle. You're the one who was born for the battle. You were born for the fight. Now you're the ones that are going to actually release light into darkness and take the kingdom, take the earth, take dominion, and subdue it and fill it with my light. So what did we do? We obviously, we gave up that authority, but thank God for Christ who gave it back to us. And now as we have the Holy Spirit, we actually are back in the battle. We can now fight the battle and we can bring light and darkness. But this is what we were created for. And I think in the, in the church sometimes we think that we just got to get through this one battle and then we're good. We're good after that. Like then we can rest. We weren't made for rest. We're not, that's not what we were made for. There's a different kind of rest where we rest in him. Our heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. But guess what? The battles, if we fight these battles, they're only going to get bigger and bigger. As we, as we get stronger and stronger in the Lord, as we get a better understanding, it's not that we get to sit back and relax. It's not what we're meant for. It's like when David, you know, you hear this, the part about, it says, when kings go to battle, what did David do? He stayed back. What happened? He messed up big time with Bathsheba. <laughs> we are made for the battle. We have to, we need to engage in it. We need to realize that we're made for this battle. And so when we're like, oh, why, why are we being attacked? Why are these things happening to us? Because we were made to take the lightness into darkness and destroy the darkness. That's why we're on this earth. When we signed up, we didn't sign up for the cruise ship. We actually signed up for the battleship. So if you think you're on the cruise ship, you might be mistaken. We're actually in it for the battle. I, I saw it this way. It was like, if, if you enlist in the army, uh, I, I've never heard of anyone coming up to their captain the first day and saying, hey, Cap, all right, I've enlisted in the battle, but I have this list here of things that I need uh, as we're going to be going into battle. And I want to make sure that I've got a good bed, that I have all these things met. You know, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to do this stuff. But these are the comfort needs that I have. And so make sure that these things are met, right? What would happen? <laughs> I don't know what would happen. It wouldn't be a good situation for you. You'd be doing a lot of push-ups or something. Um, but when we enlist... We're in it for the battle. We're in it for the fight. And that's what we were created for. So I just, I just want us to shift that mindset and, and that we're not going, oh, these circumstances are horrible. We're made for these circumstances. We're positioned for these circumstances. And we have a Holy Spirit that as we engage with the Holy Spirit, that we actually get to see the kingdom of God come on this earth. As we step into that place of thankfulness to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. As we align with that, it actually opens up heaven to drop down to earth to see the kingdom released and actually we get to see the gospel released as well. There's a, uh, if you've, Paul and Silas, if you've, in, in Acts 16, this is a 
cool story. Um, and this just sets this tone of, like, that it's not about us. So here's Paul and Paul's actually, they're in uh, Philippi, and they're going back and forth to pray. And uh, there's this slave girl who has this demon uh, who gives her the ability to see into the future and to see things. And so she sees Paul and, and kind of hit the group that's with him and begins to say, hey, this is, these are the people that are going to preach to you and try to get you saved, and, uh, which is true. It was good. Uh, but she would say this over and over and over again every time they'd go back and forth to pray. Finally, Paul had enough. And he, he, I mean, I could just imagine. He's walking along and this girl's saying this probably for the hundredth time. And he just turns around and he goes, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And boom, the spirit leaves like that. Now, in hindsight, he was like, gosh, I should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> but in that moment, this is the slave girl who was making a lot of money for the slave owner. The slave owner actually comes, grabs Paul, grabs Silas, takes him to the magistrate, and it says that they were severely flogged. And then after that, they're put in prison. So they're put in prison, they have, it says they're put in the inner prison, they've got shackles around them, and what do they do? It says it's about midnight, and they begin to pray, and they begin to worship and praise the Lord. And it says all the prisoners were listening to them in this time. Right after that, as they're worshiping, thanking, praising the Lord, so what happens when you do that? is you actually open the opportunity for the Lord to, to reveal himself, for his glory to be released, right? What happens? There's an earthquake, a major earthquake, which, which erupts the foundation of this jail, and every single cell opens. Every door opens up. Every chain falls off. And it says the jailer goes, and he sees what happens, and, and he grabs a sword. He's about to like, oh, man, this is a bad day for me. I'm out of here. And Paul goes, wait, don't do it. We're all here. And I find it interesting that it wasn't like, oh, Paul and Silas are here and everybody else is gone. No, they were all there. And I believe, it doesn't say this, but I believe they saw a miraculous move of the Lord. They're listening. They're watching Paul and Silas and they're listening to him worship the Lord. And boom, the power of God falls. I don't think any prisoner is running from that place. They're like, what just happened? We want to know more. I think they had a serious Bible study that night. I think there were a lot of people that came into the kingdom that night, a lot of prisoners. And so the morning comes and the jailer comes in and he sees this and he falls and he goes, what must I do to be saved? It wasn't like they preached to him. He saw the power of God fall. This is a guy, the whole family is saved. And it is out of this group, if you look at, at uh, church history, the church of Philippi, they believe that it was this jailer's family that actually helped to establish the church in Philippi. It was all in God's plan. But Paul and Silas could have, could have easily come into a place of just complaining to God and saying, oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe that, that here we are doing the things of the Lord and you put us in this place. And God goes, yes, I put you in this place. Because this is my plan and my purpose. Be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. There are things sometimes that we are facing. There's, there's difficulties that you're in right now. There's situations that you're in right now that you go, God, get me out of this situation. And God's going, no, I put you into that situation. Trust in me. Strengthen yourself in the Lord and allow me to do what I want to do through you. There are things in our lives right now that we are facing that if we just align with him, we come into a place of thankfulness, we will see the power of God move in our lives. The other side of it is not good. When we come into a place of complaining, it is not good. The Lord gave me three words. I'm not going to get into them in detail just because of time, but, but complain, compare, and criticize. And I believe this is, these are the things that actually take us out of the will of God and bring us over here into this place of situational circumstances and that we begin to, instead of looking up, we begin to look down, kind of like what, what uh, Peter did, right? When he, he goes out on the water and he's looking at Jesus and he's walking on water. And then he looks at the waves and he's no longer walking on water. 
This is what we do is we look down and we no longer walk on water. We get into the circumstances. And, and when we begin to complain, it's a serious thing. Um, I want you to hear this. It, what we do is we take on a victim mentality. And, uh, and we have to be so cautious of this victim mentality. Because in this place of thankfulness, it's actually a place of dying to ourselves. It's actually a place of saying, no, like I'm dead, Christ is in me. I live for him, I no longer live for me. So as you look at this, just follow along with me here. Numbers 14, 27 through 33. This is the Lord, and he's talking about the Israelites, and I want you to see a few things here. He says, yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Be careful what you say when you complain. I will do to you the very things you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness. Because you complained against me, every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the census will die. You will not enter and you will not occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exception will be Caleb and Joshua because they took on a different mindset. <laughs> they did not complain. They saw what the Lord had. Look, when, when they were going in, when they were going to take over the promised land, I think sometimes we think this promised land is just this lush green land that's just open for, for them to take. No, there were giants in the land. There were armies in the land that they had to defeat. But what they had to do is they had to get their mind on Jesus. They had to, well... They had to get their mind on the Lord. They didn't understand, a lot of them didn't understand who Jesus was, although Moses did, Joshua did. Uh, but they got their mind on the Lord, and, and in that, they were able to keep that mindset and that heart of thankfulness to the Lord and saying, I trust in you, you are good, and your love endures forever. So, follow along now. It says, you said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. Let me just show you something real quick. In 2nd or in 1st uh, Thessalonians 5. We just talked about this. It says pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The next verse says, "Do not put out the spirit's fire." Do not treat prophecies with contempt or do not despise the prophecies. What happened with the Israelites is there was a promise that God had for them. They despised the prophecies. They did not come with thankful hearts. They actually came with a, pla a place of complaining. And in that, what happens here is they get what they asked for. They get what they spoke. In that complaining, this is what they got. And it says that they... Uh, it says, but as for you, you will drop dead in the wilderness. And your children, and here's the, the other part to see, your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you dies, lies dead in the wilderness. The complaining not only affects us, it actually affects our children. It affects the next generation. When we step out of the will of God, when we step over here and our hearts are not in a place of thankfulness to the Lord, it not only affects us, but it affects our children. It affects the next generation. And so we have to be so cautious that we are in alignment with his will and his purposes and his plans. And we are, hearts are thankful unto him. We cannot complain. We can't afford to complain. And you go, well, this is... Old Testament stuff, you know, it's good stories, but it's not really for today. This exact scripture, these scriptures that you're hearing, let me just show you in, in 1 Corinthians 10. It says this, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. In verse 11, it says, these things happened to them, to the Israelites, as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. If we think that this is just the past and that this is not for today, we're sadly mistaken. 
These were warnings so that we do not step into this same place. It says that, it goes on to say to be, to be steadfast. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. This is stay steadfast. Keep your heart steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Okay, I want to finish up here. Um, let me just say this other thing. Philippians 4.11, this is Paul. And he explains this so well in the sense of understanding where we don't base our thanksgiving on circumstances. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, which is this place of thankfulness to the Lord, the secret of being content in any and every situation, while being well-fed or hungry, while living in plenty or living in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It's every good and perfect gift. It comes from the Father. When we understand that, when we understand that there's nothing that we do that is, that is something that we can be thankful for, everything comes from him, it's a complete reliance on him, and we no longer, we no longer base our thankfulness on the situations around us. I want to show you a video. Um, this is a, a friend of mine as we close here. His name is uh, Yuxel Karada, and I met him in 2011. He's a, he's a strong believer, and uh, he, he, he got his faith when he was over in Ephesus, and, uh, and he ended up, they had to get asylum in the U.S. Uh, three of their, their best friends, uh, all their throats were slit. They were killed for the gospel. Um, and overnight, they had to escape. Uh, but he was over there for a period of time, uh, was, was in jail and persecuted and uh, tortured uh, seven times for the Lord. And, uh, and I want you to see a perspective here, similar to the Apostle Paul. This is kind of like the real-life situation, but I want you just to hear uh, his perspective in this. So can you, can you play that video? After I received Christ in my life, Around three, four weeks later, one night when I was sleeping, I saw Jesus Christ in my dream. He didn't say a word, but I saw he had a white robe, and his white robe was shining more than sun. It just touched my toes, my knee, and my heart. And I wake up, I turn on the lights, but I couldn't see anybody. I was feeling so different. I had a joy. Um, I want to run. I don't know what happened to me, but I was smiling. Most of things happened. I didn't know where does this joy come from. And the second day passed, the third day passed, and the fourth day passed. And when I looked my past four days, you know what? I was not sick anymore. And I get a new life from him, and my life changed. So I started to share the gospel of Christ on the marketplace with the Muslims. And one day, and police caught me when I was sharing the gospel, and they put the handcuff. They brought me to the cell and they beat me there. They tied uh, my feet and my hands from the behind the chair. But while they were beating me, I don't know how it happened. But I couldn't control my mouth, but it was the presence of God. And he came, the presence of God came and I started to say this to policemen. Not only beat me, but if you kill me, I will still love you because God loves you too. Believe me, it wasn't the power of God. Jesus is real and he is faithful. Later on, they offered me, okay, we want to release you, but you need to do one thing. I said, what? If you became a Muslim again, we will release you. It was a great offering because freedom is a great thing. But I compare freedom and Christ. But I said, no, thank you. I decide to be in jail rather than to be free as a Muslim. I've been arrested total seven times and most of the time it was hard. They beat and lots of things torture, but I experienced his faithfulness. God gave me great opportunities when I was sharing the gospel in the jail also, because if they don't arrest us, how they will hear the gospel of Christ? <laughs> the handcuffed were like I say, gift from God, from God to me, like a crown. You know, Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ, 
yesterday, today, and forever, he is the same. If I'm here today, if I'm talking to you today, it's not because of how I'm smart, how I'm clever. Answer is one. That is, Jesus Christ is alive today. We should be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ anytime and anywhere. We should be ready to die for his glory and for his name. Will you guys stand? I, I know it's, it's hard to hear sometimes. This is a, I, uh, every time I talk to Yuxel, I say, Yuxel, how are you doing? And he goes, oh, I am doing good by God's grace. <laughs> but he actually lives by that. He lives in a way that everywhere he goes, every, every time we'll go out to lunch or something, and he's sharing the gospel every time. And it's out of this heart and this, this position of thankfulness to the Lord that he just goes, well, I have to share the gospel with others. It's my opportunity. He goes, he goes no one else might share the gospel, so this might be the, the only opportunity that they have. But he, he is so amazing that he, he just encourages me every time I'm with him to just to share the gospel. It's what we're called to do. And it comes, but it doesn't come out of a place of obligation. It comes out of a place of overwhelming thankfulness for what God's done for us. This past Thursday, we had a pastor uh, who came in. <laughs> he walks in, and so we, we, we pray together every Thursday. And uh, he walks in, he goes, you guys should be doing my funeral right now. And uh, he's a pastor over at um, Grace Chapel, his name is Mr. Bill. He's been around for a long time in the youth and, and just had, has had such an impact in our community. But he, uh, he, he was in a major accident on Sunday, and uh, this past Sunday, and he said he was behind a semi and he kind of pulled out to the side. It was a little icy and he started to swerve back and forth. He was going pretty slow. Uh, but he was on the highway, and all of a sudden, he said he hit the ditch, and the side of the ditch, and then he didn't remember anything after that. There was a car behind him. It was actually a group that were on staff at New Life, and they saw the whole thing happen. They were the, the youth, and, uh, and the car flipped, or the truck flipped three times. And, uh, and as this other car pulled up behind him, they came up in tears, and they were like, they thought he was dead. And the car, there's the car right here. Look, it looks, I mean, it was smashed. And they came up to Bill, and he was in the driver's seat. And you can see, like, on the driver's side, how it's just bowed up right there. He had no damage. The only thing that he had was a little cut on his ear. The, the paramedics came to him, and they said, you should be dead. Like, there's no way you should be alive after this accident. The airbags didn't deploy. It was an older truck. Uh, like, he should not have survived this accident. And not only did he survive, he had no broken bones. He had no whiplash. He had no concussion. He had nothing. And he literally walked out. They, he said he was so coherent. They, he, he's sitting in the car, and these kids come up, and they're crying because they think he's dead. And he looks at him. He goes, hey, can I borrow your phone? <laughs> and, and he... And they give him the phone and he calls and he, he's like, I just need to tell my wife that I'm okay. And he calls his wife and she doesn't answer and he gives the phone back and he goes, well, she probably didn't answer because she doesn't recognize the number, but maybe she'll call back. <laughs> you know, totally coherent in all of this. And, uh, but what he realized in this is we sat there on Thursday morning in this time of prayer together. He said, you know, I could have easily died that day. But he's like, I am so thankful for my life. And he goes, there's, there's a lot of people that I've been meaning to, to tell Jesus or to tell them about Jesus, to tell them, to give them an opportunity for salvation, to come into the kingdom. And he goes, but I was real just, I was hesitant in it. And I didn't want to push it. He goes, man, from this moment forward, everything is changing in my life. He goes out of this place of thankfulness that, I, that he has, he's going back to all the people that he knows and he's going to share the gospel. He's like, now I've got a testimony and I don't have time to wait because I don't know when I'm going to go. And look, we don't know when our last day is going to be. We need to take every opportunity we have to share the gospel with others. 
We need to take every opportunity in that alignment of thanksgiving, thanking God for everything that we have through him, that we would out of that, and as we see his kingdom come down to earth, that we shed, we shed, we share the gospel of Christ with those around us. We are called to bring light into darkness. This is what we were born for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for every person here. Lord, I thank you for everyone watching online right now that's hearing these words. Lord, I thank you that this is your heart right now for us as a church, that this would activate the body of Christ to begin to move forward into the things you've called us to do. Lord, would you align our hearts? Would you, would you help us to set our mind on things above? Lord, as we are called to rule and to reign, Lord, we look to you. Our hearts stay in a place steadfast, thankful for who you are. And Lord, I thank you that this draws heaven down to earth. Lord, we ask for your kingdom to come on this earth, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you reveal your glory through us? This is your purpose. This is your plan. Lord, I thank you for what you're establishing right now in our hearts. Lord, that we were born for this. We were born for this time. Lord, I thank you that we no longer look at circumstances as bad things, but we're thankful in all things. And we know you use all things for good, for the glory of God. So Father, we say, use us. Just as Uxell said that this is, that the, that the chains around his hands were a gift from God, that it was a crown upon his head, that those, that if, if we weren't, if he wasn't arrested, how would those know about Christ? Lord, let us use every opportunity for your kingdom. We thank you for what you're doing. We say activate your family in this season, in this time for your glory and for your purposes. In Jesus' name, let everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys.